0: Welcome to the Determined Mom Show, the only marketing podcast dedicated to guiding mom CEOs into tranquility, wealth, and multiplying those precious moments. Hi, everyone. Amanda Tento here, and I am here with Deborah Ager from Radiant Media Labs. She is an amazing LinkedIn expert, and she focuses on copy and attracting um, clients and everything like that. So. Deborah, welcome, and just tell us a little bit
1: about yourself and how you got started. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. Um, I have I started out as a writer many, many years ago. I got a graduate degree in creative writing, so I've been doing this work for a long time. About five years ago, I got into helping people create their books, and then the people who needed help with their books began to say, I need help with social media, and I love what you're doing on LinkedIn could you help me with my writing on social media? So that's a short story of how I got into this. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's
0: It's so funny when you accidentally get into something, but then you get really, really, really good at it because other people
1: really need it, right? Exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. so much fun to help people figure out what to say and how to do it and how to structure their social posts so that they connect more deeply with people that they want to work with.
0: Yeah, and I think LinkedIn is one of those things that, Intimidates people because they think, oh, it's a business network, and I don't know how to network, and I don't know what to say, and I don't it, like. They think it's like a whole nother thing, which it is. It's like its own animal. It's not the same as Facebook or Instagram. But what is your take on that, as
1: far as LinkedIn being different? It is a little bit different. It has a pa- It has a reputation for people who aren't on there right now. It has a reputation for being somewhat stuffy, for being full of recruiters, for being a place that you would only go to look for a job. Yet It's really changed over the past few years, and it's it's no longer that way. So there's a lot of solopreneurs on there, all different kinds of software companies, just people from every kind of business are on there, um, helping each other out, referring people to each other, and conducting business. And I think it's one of the fastest paths to getting clients um, over some of the other platforms that are out there. That's awesome. I love
0: LinkedIn. And um, I love following you on LinkedIn, actually. Um, I follow all your posts. And um, I love how you write and how you get so many hundreds of comments on some of your posts. And I'm like, what is going on? I definitely need to watch this talk and apply your methods for sure. So very excited to have you. Thank you.
1: I'm so thrilled. I'm thrilled to be here and to talk about this topic with people. (laughs) Yeah, that's
0: awesome. And I think it's definitely something that we all need. Like even like there's just no one that I know well, besides you probably that's really getting those comments and getting those engaged um, posts on LinkedIn. I don't see very many or maybe Gary Vee or somebody like that, but I don't see a lot of people on LinkedIn getting like hundreds of comments on their posts. So you're doing yeah, and right. I, think what's,
1: I think what's really important to know is that the comments don't even matter all that much. It's more about how many people are showing up in your inbox because a lot of people who reach out to work with me never commented on a post and most likely never even liked a post. They just went straight ahead and they booked a consulting hour or they went straight ahead and they messaged me or emailed me or took another action that I was hoping they would take, but they didn't even leave me a comment. So I wouldn't worry too much about comments. You can get five comments and do really well. You can have 50 people instead of you know 5,000 people view mm-hmm. your post and still do really well. Okay, that's good to know. That's really good to
0: know. Um, I think we're used to the algorithms of the other social media outlets. So I think that's a really, really good. I'm glad we brought that up, actually, (laughs) because I think that's an important part of LinkedIn. So what is the number one struggle that you see for people who are trying to break into LinkedIn and attract those clients?
1: I think a lot of times people are not focusing on one of the most important words. In the English language, when it comes to copy, and it's three letters, and it is you. (laughs) So in this case, the you would be the person they want to work with. So they don't become uh, clear enough about who that person is. And then when they sit down to write their content, sometimes they're a little too focused not on the you, but on what they do as a service provider or as the owner of a product. And they're they're not focusing enough on the you. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah, I can definitely see like
0: if people aren't feeling like that post is for them, that they might not stop and, you know, stop their scroll or, you know, whatever that would be called on LinkedIn. It's still a scroll. Yeah. So I like that. I like that a lot. Do you have any examples of people who have worked, who you've worked with have really turned around their
1: business and attracting those clients um, by using the methods that you're going to be teaching? Yeah. So I have one client who, after using my methods, was able, like, booked four clients pretty quickly. And we, you know, she used my writing methods to create a large content piece, which was her book. And that allowed her to get a couple of uh, two really big corporate clients. And then one of them, um, she told me she booked four clients in a month. I think it was, it was. And then one of those clients had hired her for several different jobs and then ordered several copies of her book. So social media and the writing process that I teach for that was, was really helpful to her to be able to make that happen. And, um, and then other folks are getting inbound leads coming in to them so that they don't have to go chasing people or sending messages to people. So they're, they're pleased with that because the long way of doing this kind of work is to send direct message after direct message. Or using those tools that LinkedIn doesn't want us to use, those automated tools that send, hello, I'm so glad we're connected on LinkedIn to to everybody that you connect with. And people know that you're sending that message to everyone, so it's not actually all that personable. Someone sent me a message and said, hello, Frank. (laughs) Hello, Frank. I'm so glad we're connected. So I wrote back and I said, "I do I look like a Frank to you? And then we had a good chuckle about it. And this person said he wasn't using an automated tool because I was actually curious and asked him. And he said that he was copying and pasting. But I even think with the copy-paste, what's really the point of that? You know, really, you can engage on each other's content, on each other's posts, and not have to reach out with a message that doesn't really contain a lot of information. Or, you know, there's just other ways to get to know people on LinkedIn besides sending them. A direct message.
0: Yeah. And something that happens, and I'm not sure if people are using VAs to do it or not, which I know LinkedIn doesn't like at all, like any other people logging into your account. But I've been getting messages from someone that I actually know personally, and they've been sending me like canned messages. And I'm like, do you know that we know each other? I'm not sure. (laughs) Like, yeah, so I'm like, okay, I think it must be like a VA or someone that doesn't actually know. And they're just assuming because there's no other communication on LinkedIn. Um, we're connected on Facebook and Instagram and other places. So I think that's something to be wary of too.
1: Yeah, it comes off as very inauthentic. Mm-hmm. I received one recently from, I'll use made up names. I received one from Mary Sue, and that was the profile was for someone named Mary Sue. And mm-hmm. then the person signed it, um, you know, Penelope. Oh, <laughs> Penelope yeah. on behalf of Mary Sue. What? I was so turned off by that. So I just I disconnected from the person and went on my merry way because I just thought this person doesn't even have the time or inclination to to write their own message in the first place and it's just not my thing. (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah, that's interesting, and yeah, I can see that. It's it's kind of like I can understand like for podcast um, prospecting and things like that, like having a VA to reach out on your behalf. But when you're inside of your own social media account, I think that's a completely different thing.
1: Mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. It's much. I think it's much better to have someone reach out through email and their own email, you know, their name at your URL.com. And Mm -hmm. that, that seems a little bit, yeah, it just seems better to me and more, more real.
0: Yeah. Authentic. That's the word that was coming to my mind is like authentic. Like Mm -hmm. I want to know that you're actually a person and you're not um, a bot or a a VA or yeah, like that you actually care. So I think caring is actually really where it comes down to
1: there yeah and i think that's what i mean that's really why i do this work it's really all about connecting with other people connecting deeply and it's also about helping people get their voice out there in a way that they haven't before so one of the things that i've talked about with folks is called writing into the breakthrough because one of the reasons i do this is because as you begin to write your own content you can hire people but if you write your own content you have more of an opportunity to have these aha moments these breakthrough moments and it can really help you understand how you set yourself apart from other people, how your ideas are different, how they're the same, and you really begin to discover your voice and the ways in which you sound like you. So, you know, one of the ways you can do that, you might have phrases, you might have words you've made up, you might have other bits of lingo that you personally use that help you stand out from other people so that your copy does not end up sounding like a corporate you know, a a corporate piece of content that was reviewed by committee until all the personality was removed. Mm -hmm. But instead, you're showing up as your personable self, as your professional self, and then you can also show up as your persuasive self, the three Ps. So that way you are able to present yourself in a way where you feel comfortable, you're connecting with people, and you're also encouraging people to take a next action with you. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love it. I can't wait to I'm like, okay, can't wait to watch that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm already, I feel like every single talk in this summit, especially yours is just like, I cannot wait to see it, you know? Oh, yeah. I'm really, really excited. Yeah. No,
1: the summit. I'm so excited to see what everyone's talking about. Mm
0: -hmm. There are some amazing, well, all of them are amazing. Like every single one is just amazing. So definitely, definitely excited. So one last question for you, what do you feel is the biggest hurdle that you've had to overcome in um, learning to kind of write for LinkedIn or write for social media in your own business?
1: I think one of the challenges a lot of people have is scheduling the time and making sure that you have time to write. So a lot of people will say, I don't have time to write. I don't have time for this, I don't have time for that. Should I just hire someone? And I think, yes, if you wanna hire someone, then go right ahead. But I know a lot of, you know, multi-million dollar producers, so to speak, or business owners who write some of their own content, if not all of it, because it's really important to them to have their voice in there. And also because of the way it helps them think more deeply about their topics. So I think scheduling in the time, whether it's once a week and you do it in a batch or whether you do it three times a week, whatever works for you, just figure out what that schedule is and then schedule it into your calendar. So once I started doing that, it helped me a lot more um not having to fly by the seat of my pants of course if you're starting out you'll probably need to do at least some flying by the seat of your pants on social media because you'll be creating as you go along some people prefer not to start at all until they have created i don't know a week two weeks a month i'm kind of more that i'm more the kind of person that would just say just create it put it up create it put it up enjoy the experiments see what works see what resonates see what doesn't learn from it and then you continue to build on those learnings, and then you begin to perfect your writing and then the topics and the way you present them to people. Okay, that's really, really good
0: advice. And I think you are spot on with that, um, the time, you know, like if we could multiply our time, then we would all be experts on social media, not really, probably, um, but because we need techniques like yours in order to succeed, But, um, but yeah, I agree. I think that is a huge hurdle for all of us, so. I'm glad that it's not just me or just (laughs) other people that I know. I'm glad one of the experts um, has experienced that as well, but also found a solution to overcome it. So, Oh, good. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Deborah. I am so looking forward to your talk, like I've said numerous times before. But um, thank you so much for being here at the Business Mom Summit. And um, we are looking forward to your talk. And your
1: talk is going to be airing on day number five, which is social media. Fantastic. Thank you so much for having me and I hope you guys stop by and watch it and thanks for listening. Thank you. Hi everyone, Amanda Tento here. I am here with Lauren Wrighton
0: and she is a podcast producer and a course creator. So she is going to be teaching you and me um, how to start and grow your podcast and so that way it's going to make an impact on your audience and your business's bottom line. So welcome Lauren. Thanks for having me. Yeah, definitely. I am very excited to have you here and very excited to learn more about podcasting and the topics that you are going to cover for us or the topic that you're going to cover for us. So first, tell us a little bit about how you got started with podcasting and just editing and producing podcasts.
2: Yeah. So back in 2016, a friend and I started a podcast. We were working in the fitness field as a group fitness instructors. She was a dietitian. We decided to start a podcast for fun. Um, we both loved it for different reasons. She, uh, I loved the behind the scenes. And so she started kind of ran with the podcast as the host. And I started doing all the production, really getting like nerding out on the behind the scenes part of podcasting. And then since then, I started my business. Uh, started taking on clients and have just learned everything I could about podcasting and podcast production since then. That's awesome. That sounds like a very interesting story. So did you guys just kind of naturally
0: head those ways and it was, there was no like really um, friction about it and like it just kind of happened or was there like a lot of conversation?
2: Well, we're really good friends. So there's definitely no like, conflict but I would say that there's a lot of tension be- still because mm-hmm. we still call it our podcast even though I haven't been on it in over a year yeah and but the the dynamic actually sort of kind of did it worked on itself because she, as, a, as our podcast kind of developed you know she stepped into this role as the dietitian who knew professionally knew everything and I kind of stepped more into like the mom on the show Mm -hmm. So I would ask her questions and she would answer my questions. So the fact that I stepped behind the scenes, it wasn't a huge change for Mm -hmm. her. So it, it worked. It definitely worked out in both of our favors.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. I was just kind of curious about that to see what that entailed. But um, I love that it works for both of you and your personalities and your interests. I think that's Mm -hmm. a a match made in heaven. (laughs) Right. So tell us um, for everyone listening what is the difference between a podcast what does a podcast producer do let me let me ask you that
2: yeah so um, there's so many terms that can be kind of confusing as far as someone that works on a podcast so the most the, the term that a lot of people hear of is podcast editor podcast editor just edits a podcast normally um, maybe they upload it and schedule it. Um, There's also a podcast manager and they are someone that does the editing, um, helps you maybe with your guest bookings, your guest management, helps you promote it on social media. So they're helping you more with more of the tasks that come with podcasting a podcast producer, they can do all of those roles as well, but they also have, you know, maybe stepped a little bit above that and are just watching and managing the whole production of the show and then helping wherever their expertise lies in that. Okay. That makes sense. And that's a really good
0: explanation. And, um, even though, you know, I have my own podcast, I didn't know all of those layers and all of those, you know, responsibilities and where they lie. So I think that's awesome. And, um, I definitely, definitely would recommend if you're starting out, get some sort of help <laughs> with your podcast, because if it grows quickly, it's going to, you know, quickly kind of go beyond your control and your capacity. Um, so definitely seek help from the beginning. That's my, my advice, but Lauren is going to be teaching us, um, kind of all of the basics of, how, how to get started and what we need to do and also how we need to position our podcast to grow. So I'm very excited about that. Um, Lauren, what is the number one struggle that you see with people that are just starting their podcast?
2: Yeah, so I see two main struggles. The first struggle is the tech side, so tech overwhelm. But if you're getting someone to help you with that side of it, then that could be resolved. Um, then the next struggle I see is you know really someone wanting their they want to start a podcast but they're worried about really it making a difference to their business and that's why I talk about like creating a podcast that's going to impact your audience and help your business's bottom line because none of us really want to do any of our business tasks as a hobby you know we want them all to make sense we want to impact our audience so that's the biggest struggle that i see is knowing like what to talk about and all of those questions of What to talk about and how often to produce a show, and all of that, so that it makes sense for their audience and it's going to impact people.
0: Okay, that is great advice. And I think that I can definitely see how, you know, getting started can be definitely a challenge from the tech side. There's so much to learn. And, um, I have never edited any of my audio, any of my podcasts because I don't even have the brain capacity to learn how to do that, Mm -hmm. (laughs) let alone the time. So I can completely commiserate with the tech side of it. And definitely, you know, the content side of it is a common struggle I see as well. So that's awesome. Um, do you know anybody, um, besides like the big, the big ones, the big podcasters like Amy Porterfield and Jenna Kutcher that is getting it right in terms of, you know, really nailing that content and nailing the,
2: you know, acceleration for their business? Yeah. So, um, one person that comes to mind, um, her name's Michaela Quinn. She teaches her podcast and her whole business teaches moms how to become freelancers and she's really killing it, especially right now with her podcasting and her business. And it's because her podcast really answers the questions that when someone first finds her and they're first learning about freelancing, they have so many questions. And her podcast is just like answering all of those questions and really, really serving her audience. And then it flows into the other resources that she has, her free and paid resources. So yeah, her, she definitely comes to mind as someone that is, is doing it right.
0: Okay. That's awesome. Well, I can't wait to learn everything that you're going to teach us in your session. And I'm sure that all the moms watching are also very excited, especially if they have been thinking about doing a podcast. This is definitely the session that you want to watch. So thank you so much, Lauren, for agreeing to be here. Thank you so much. Hi, everyone. Amanda Tento here, and I'm here with Chantel Turner. And she is a Facebook group expert and the owner of Not Yet Notable. And she is going to be sharing with us an amazing, amazing topic. And she's going to be teaching us how to grow our Facebook groups in just 15 minutes a day um, and gain raving fans and sales. So welcome, Chantal. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here and to share all
3: of this with everyone
0: listening. Yeah, definitely. Me too. Um, so tell us a little bit about how you got started in um, Facebook groups and your business and tell us all about your business too actually a really funny story. So
3: I was happily climbing the corporate ladder. Um, I actually have parents that are both very entrepreneurial, but I went to school and school did its job and said, hey, you want to be successful, go climb the corporate ladder. So that's what I was doing. I had a corporate job that I I really enjoyed. My husband was in corporate and we decided we wanted to start a family. We got pregnant right away, which we were so fortunate. I know so many women and, and families in general struggle with that. We were very blessed and i had a great pregnancy like everything was going really well every time we did visits everything was good and then i went into labor full term um 38 weeks five days and i was in a lot of pain which i mean first pregnancy i assume (laughs) that's normal when you're in labor and my water broke so we went to the hospital And every time I would have a contraction, my daughter's heart would stop beating. And so that was a bit concerning. (laughs) They decided to rush us for an emergency C-section. And for a little bit, it was kind of hectic and crazy, but they got her out. And then they were like, hey, everything's great. Like her scores are good. We don't know why she was, her heart rate was stopping, but everything's great. Like you're good to go. And so my family lives about two hours from where we live. They came up to meet her first grandbaby in the family. And we were just this blissfully happy new family for about two hours um but her temperature was a little bit low and her blood sugar was low and so they took her to the nursery to warm her up and to to give her like a bottle since she was having trouble breastfeeding and her pediatrician did what they call rounds so the pediatricians they come they check on the new babies he looked at her and he said i don't know what's wrong but something is wrong with this baby and she needs to be in the nicu And within about 20 minutes of her being up in the NICU, she had what they call an apneic episode. She actually had two of them. So it's a seizure that stopped her breathing. She turned blue. It's terrifying. Um, But she was in the NICU, thank God. So they revived her right away. And then it was trying to figure out why, like, why is this seemingly healthy baby having apneic episodes? And so it took three days of um, EEGs and CTs and eventually an MRI. And the the neurologist came into the room to talk with us about what was going on and he opens up this red folder and there's this the MRI scan inside and he turns it over and he circles this really large dark portion on the MRI and he says, do you see this dark spot of your child's brain? Well, that portion of her brain is dead. What? And, I mean like heart shattering, right? Uh, like, yeah. He said, she's gonna have cerebral palsy. She's gonna have seizures. We don't really know what kind of cognitive function she might have. And when we had questions about what cerebral palsy might mean, I mean, we're like, you know, I mean, I'd heard it, but I didn't really understand. He yeah. proceeded to physically act out what she might look like as she continued to function in the world. What it was the heck? most devastating moment of my life. And so I really needed a lot of support. I didn't have any other friends who had kids with special needs. Um, we were in the NICU for 11 days. And during that time, the hospital social workers said they were applying for all sorts of services and support, and financial aid for us. They didn't apply for anything. Uh, so after about six months of getting into every single resource I could for her and therapy and all of this kind of stuff, I got hit with a massive pile of medical bills that I wasn't expecting that our insurance didn't cover and that whatever they had said they'd apply for financially, they never did. Yeah. And once I finally dug us out of that debt and really started to get my daughter the help she needed and she was progressing. Mm -hmm. I realized that there were so many other parents out there I needed to connect with because I didn't know any other special needs parents. So I went on Facebook looking for special needs groups and what I found were that there were other special needs parenting groups, but a lot of the women would tear each other down. They were really negative. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't understand why women feel the need to do that. Like It does not elevate you to hurt somebody else. And I didn't like the atmosphere, so I said, screw it, I'm starting my own. And I created my own Facebook group, my own brand called Stronger Mommy that was solely focused on empowering parents who had kids with special needs to get the resources, services, support, and community that they needed. And it grew from zero to 2,600 members in less than six months and was one of the most and still is active groups on Facebook. And I actually got um, invited from Facebook to be a part of what they call their power admins. And the group was just, I would get messages all the time from people that absolutely love the group and how valuable it was. And A couple years after starting that group and running that group was so much success. I would have other entrepreneurs reach out and say, Chantel, how much work are you putting into this group? Like, it's incredible. You're clearly nailing it, but who has time for that? And I'm like, time, what do you mean? I do it in less than 15 minutes a day. Wow. And just every time they're like, how is that even possible? And so what I did was I transitioned from just helping my special needs parents who are incredible, stronger mommies to also helping entrepreneurs who I love um be able to impact their own tribes just like I do with the special needs community so that they can impact their own tribes through highly active and engaged Facebook groups. So that's kind of a long and a short
0: backstory. <laughs> that's that. awesome. Well, I really am one of those people that truly believes that every single thing happens for a reason. And it's just a path that you are meant to be on, you know? Like it's exactly where you're supposed to be, what you're supposed to be doing, and you're obviously passionate about it and great at it. So that's why it happened. So a hundred percent. Yeah. 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 Well, that's awesome. That's a great story. Um, so what do you feel like is the number one struggle for people that have Facebook groups? Um, the biggest
3: challenge I think is that people think it's going to be too time consuming to set up, to get people like, how do I even get people in there? And then how do I keep them engaged? Because so many of us are in Facebook groups where it's like Tim and Joe post every day, but you know, there's like 3000 other people that don't make a peep. And you're, you're like, Oh, there's Joe again commenting on the next post, and then the admins like posting so often, and you can't even keep up with the content they're delivering. And it just all looks boring and exhausting at the same time. And so yeah. I think it's really about understanding the strategies behind why somebody would even want to be in your group, how to attract the right people there, really targeting. Like who is your dream customer? Don't just make a group to, you know, have a collection of friends. These should be people that are somebody you want to impact in the future, that are going to be customers in the future bring them in, use it as a lead generation. It lowers your cost per lead. It can increase your average cart value. So how much somebody spends with you and then they stay with you long-term because they have a relationship with you as a human being, instead of just like a number or a name on the internet, they become a real person. They feel recognized and noticed by you. So I think that's the biggest struggle that people don't understand is that it doesn't have to take a lot of time. You don't have to create a ton of content. You just have to be strategic about how you do it.
0: Yeah, okay, that's awesome. That is a huge struggle, I see, just the engagement factor, especially because of algorithms and all that stuff. And some people might not see it, some people might see it, but I'm sure that you have lots of good advice for us that you're going to be sharing in your session. So I'm looking forward to that. What is an example, or maybe who is an example, who or what, um, is an example of a group that's really, really getting it right as far as engagement and just being a great group yeah um, so one of my clients that I worked with
3: very early on his name is Jamie Adkinson. he's actually um, into podcasting and what's so cool is before he decided to transition into podcasting he was not really doing anything social media related whatsoever and kind of realized like he had started a podcast and monetized it very early on and it's something that a lot of podcasters struggle with like cool I have a platform but how do I monetize and so he wanted to teach people how to be able to monetize their podcast But he had no audience nobody knew who he was he didn't have a lot of results yet and so what he was able to do by following pretty much exactly what i'm going to be sharing on the summit was actually be able to take a group create his group in less than 30 days he attracted over 250 people into that group organically Um, had it massively engaged over 90% engagement, which is what we aim for with all of our clients and then generated over $12,000 in sales within those 30 days, just from those group members on a product that you hadn't even built yet. And so like, And his group today now is six months down the road. I think he's approaching 2000 members still massively engaged. He's done over $125,000 in sales and, and they're, they're raving fans. They absolutely love what they've bought from him. He delivers hand over fist on his products. But the point is six months ago, nobody knew who he was. He spent $0 in ads. All he did was have a Facebook group and a platform and a place where he could really shine to his dream customers.
0: And now he has a thriving business. Yeah, that's amazing. That is a huge, huge win um, all around. I mean, just to have that really targeted audience, and then also to have them be engaged and also the perfect buyers. I think that's amazing. So, and then they become massive social proof. I mean, when you when you have a group at school, because people
3: like they want to share about their success. And so the best place to share about their success is with the person that helped them create that success. It's kind of like instant testimonial, but it doesn't feel like the pressure of a testimonial. So they'll come back into the group and be like, oh my God, check out how amazing my results are. And then you know what happens? Everyone not getting results and not doing it inside the group gets massive FOMO and they want to go jump on board. So it's really cool. It just becomes this like cyclical process of people that
0: love on you and then create more customers. Yeah, it seems like almost like its own organic funnel that you don't really have to do anything other than build the group right and and nurture it yeah, hundred percent. It is. You can, and you, the cool thing is you can drive whatever traffic
3: you want. So you can have organic traffic coming in. If you set it up right, Facebook will send you free traffic, which is super cool. And if you want to run ads, it's a great place to start warming up. Like ad traffic is almost always very cold, meaning they don't really know who you are. They have no trust with you. They've probably seen hundred ads. And so it's a great like entry place for them before you even get to the opt-in side of things. And they're having to like really get into your email list and stuff. It just warms them up. And again, they go from just being like a name on the internet to an actual real human being that they feel recognized by you.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I love it. I can't wait to watch your session. Yay! (laughs) Super excited. So do you feel like there is a particular um, technology that works well with the Facebook groups? Or um, is it just literally you just only use
3: Facebook groups? Um, So I use a couple of things. So we make sure to leverage that. And I'll talk about this on the talk as well. But we make sure to leverage the three questions that Facebook allows you to ask before somebody joins your group. So question number one, you want to make sure that the right person is getting into your group. Question number two, I like to find out where he came from because it's always good to understand where your leads are coming in from. Um, But then question number three is where our technology piece comes in. So we ask for their email. Now, this might sound like, oh, my God, so much work to go in, copy and paste the email. Cause once you hit accept, those questions and answers disappear. But there's software that you can get that actually plugs into Chrome um, that allows you to capture that email address every time you hit accept. So you're able to transfer that to your list. I zap it over into, I use Actionetics, but whatever kind of email autoresponder you're using, you can zap it over into there and then start sending them emails as well. And so it's great, you're always building your list. If Facebook ever disappears, you still have it. Um, I also make sure to pixel Every single member meaning that I can run an ad to anyone that's inside my group There's no other way to run an ad to a group unless you pixel them. It's really cool You can do that. Um, and then I personally use click for all of my um, Like opt-ins and sales pages and all of that kind of stuff you can use whatever you want But you should have some kind of website Ideally some kind of funnel set up meaning something a little bit more structured than like a basic website um, whether it's lead pages or Kartra um, or even a WordPress or something that's set up in a funnel format. You should definitely have that in place. Yeah, that's awesome.
0: Awesome. Well, I am super excited for your talk, and I'm personally going to be watching it and taking detailed notes because Facebook groups, I have a few of them, and I love them, and I also like wish that they didn't take as much time as they do. <laughs> so I can't wait to get down under 15 minutes. <laughs> Yeah. Even some days it's less (laughs) okay. going above and beyond in 15 minutes. That's like a long day. (laughs) Okay. Well, that's awesome. Well, I can't wait for that. Um, so thank you so much for agreeing to be a speaker at the business mom summit. And I'm sure that if you have a Facebook group, if you're thinking about having a Facebook group, that her talk is going to be one that you do not want to miss. Welcome. I have an amazing speaker here with me today. Her name is Carrie Cheriton, and she is a Pinterest strategist from Carrie Marie Consulting. And she is going to be having one of the most fun sessions, I think, <laughs> um, for me anyway, of the summit. And she's going to be telling us why you should be using Pinterest for your business.
4: So welcome, Carrie. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. I can talk about Pinterest. We could, we could be here all day talking about Pinterest, so <laughs> that's good. I'm excited.
0: Awesome. So Tell me about your business and what you do and
4: kind of how you got started. Sure. Uh, Well, I got started, let me start with that, actually as a blogger and that's sort of how I came to be with Pinterest because Pinterest, I think, was originally known as like the Pinterest, the blogger platform for Pinterest. The blogger platform, the platform that bloggers used most of the time. I mean, that was, that's like what they'd use and that's what they're known for. And so I started out as a blogger and then it, that was, this was about four years ago and never had heard of a virtual assistant or never really thought of having any type of online business. And it was really as a blogger that I found out this whole like online world. Existed and there were virtual assistants, and I'm like, oh, I can do that because I came from a marketing background uh, in my work life, and so I'm like, oh, okay, jumped off of blogging at the time, and I'm going to do virtu- be a virtual assistant, and so I, you know, I just learned all the things, you know, at tech VA. I was a tech VA for a while, and through all of this, I mean, I started blogging then for my business rather than um, personal. And realized um, I'm also a homeschool mom. So Pinterest is really like the ideal platform for women because it is like basically semi-passive, really. I mean, it takes me about an hour a week to fill up my queue with pins. And I mean, that's what I was looking for. I needed a way to advertise my business, not be on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn, you know, networking 24-7. And it it was like the conscious choice I made way back when, you know, I mean, that just really, I saw it work for me. And then I'm like, Oh my God, you know, this is fantastic. More women need to use it because I think it is really like a misunderstood platform. You know, people, I mean, we know like how to find a gluten-free chocolate cake recipe and how to organize our, you know, bathrooms or whatever and, and, or, or do our bullet journals, things like that. But people don't really think about like, oh, well, how can I use it for my business? And when I explain it to them, they're like, oh my God, that makes like perfect sense. And so,
3: um,
4: about a year ago, I mean, I was, I was a tech VA and I was a social media manager. And so I did kind of all the things, but it was really until a, a year ago that I'm like, I just dove in, you know, all in with Pinterest. And so that's how I, You know, I I help women, mostly bloggers, coaches, and then like for me coming from, uh, you know, being a service provider, you know, I kind of got everybody, uh, you know, you can sell products, you can sell courses as a service provider you can use. And so really, I mean, it's a platform that works for almost every business. What can people
0: expect, you know, if you're not using it personally and you're nervous about using it for your business, Mm -hmm. what can they expect? Well,
4: the very first thing is the disclaimer that Pinterest is not a fast-moving platform. You know, with Facebook, Facebook ads, you turn something on, it goes off. And, you know, you can, with continuous engagement, you can build those platforms. Pinterest is slow to take off because of the importance of keywords You have to keyword everything so that Pinterest can learn the algorithm and know what your pin is about. They need keywords in strategic places. And so that's one of the things that you need to learn first is the keywording and be strategic about it and then be consistent about pinning. And I mean, the good thing is, like I had mentioned, that it's good for moms, is that there's no black mark on your record for uh, scheduling, you know, we know Facebook, they want you to use their schedule or Pinterest. They don't care. Um, but just be consistent and hang in there because, you know, I think a lot of people, they do use it personally. Then they'll be like, okay, I'm going to try it for my business, but they don't hang in there consistently and long enough to see results. And so then, um, when they don't see it, they're disappointed and they're like, oh my God, Pinterest doesn't work. And it does, I promise you that, but it, you know, it's having the keywords in place and being consistent and doing it long enough to see the return. And then it's like virtually on autopilot really, because then it's like you and your friends are all pinning and repinning your content. So, I mean, that's like the best way to spread the word about your business.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Um, I think
4: patience sounds like the word, right? (laughs) (laughs) It is. I mean, really. Okay. That's good. And and it depends to what niche you're in. I mean, there are popular niches on Pinterest versus, you know, if you have a business that may not be like have that many keywords. And so people may have to kind of search to find you. But like what I always recommend is search for people that are doing the same thing that you're doing and see if, you know, if they're finding success, if, you know, if they have a lot of content, and, you know, then, you know, definitely you should be there.
0: Okay, awesome. So what has changed in the last few months um, with Pinterest?
4: Well, uh, actually, like in the last month, (laughs) they've gotten a really fun tool. What I like about Pinterest is that they are giving you the tools to be successful. You just have to use them, so they, you know, they give, they have this new tool. It's, it's in beta right now. It's in the US, but you can VPN it if you're like not in the US. Yeah. Um, but it's called P- uh, Pinterest Trends. And you can put in your keywords and it's going to tell you in the last 12 months how that pin has trend. And so you can do that with four keywords. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you could do like DIY Valentine's. You could do Valentine crafts. You could do Valentine gifts. And so you can compare four keywords at the same time. You, you will see like when it rises. So like, for example, Valentine's Day. Well, it's not going to be popular in August. Um, so it's kind of predictable. You know, OK, you know February is the time frame. But it compares the keywords against each other. So maybe DIY Valentines does better than Valentine Crafts. So that is helpful for you because it's like, well, okay, create the pins, use the keywords that Pinterest is telling you that are successful, as well as then like I like to use Tailwind to schedule my pins. You know, okay, about eight weeks before the rise of the graph that, okay, I need to be pending Valentine's. And so, I mean, that's, that's a very easy because that's seasonal, but I mean, you can use that for keywords in, you know, hopefully you will be like evergreen and and you can, you know, mix it up. If, if you know, like, okay, back to school is at a certain time Mm -hmm. keyword, that stuff, but then it's like, okay, well maybe I need to find other keywords that can sustain me for the rest of the year, and, and be strategic about your content. And so, that is that's like the latest, greatest, fun <laughs> <awesome>. um, tool <laughs> available, and it's helpful for content creation because if you were going to write a blog post or a, do a podcast, you know how to keyword it. And so, it's like, well, use this keyword rather than another within your category because it's going to be seen more. So that's. That's the most fun thing that's come out.
0: That's very cool. Well, that sounds really cool. I haven't heard of it yet. I've been out of the Pinterest loop a little bit, and that's very cool. Very cool to see that new tool coming out. So, mm-hmm.
4: Well, and it, it, there's room for improvement because, I mean, that not every keyword that you can find in Pinterest is in there yet as far as telling you what the trends are. Yeah. Because, I mean, it did. It literally came out, I think, two weeks ago. Okay. But they're, they're testing it and it's amazing so far. So yeah.
0: The only way that I've been able to do that is I go and I pretend to make an ad and then I go in there and then I type the keywords into the ad thing and then it mm-hmm. tells how many hundreds of thousands of mm-hmm. pins that keyword. Um, that's the only way that I've found really to do keyword research on Pinterest. So it works, but it's kind of like hard to explain how to get there. <laughs>
4: Well, there's other ways to do keyword research that are because I I know some people may be hesitant because that's actually making it look like you're going to do an ad. So I think you're required to put in credit card information to see that, and that is an excellent tool. But when you search keywords, the in the search bar, the drop down words, you know, if you did like vegetarian chili or something or like chili recipes you know they have the multiple drop downs then they have those tiles the one on the far left looking at the screen is more popular than the one that's all the way you know like 10 tiles down or across and then when you hit enter the feed gives you the most popular pins as well and then now this trends tool uh, what it does when you put in your keyword underneath, it gives you alternative searches and then it gives you popular pins there too. So again, Pinterest is giving you that information. It, it used to have the actual um, like repins and saves on the pin, but they've taken that away. So that those are ways that you know because they're feeding you the most popular. So yeah. you'd always want to pin yeah. from the top.
0: Yeah. Okay. That's good to know. Awesome. Um, what is one thing that you would change, um, about your Pinterest kind of strategy business if you could start over?
4: Uh, I would have created more content faster than I did. Yeah. Um, you uh, you know, more, more strategic content and faster. I mean, you know, I was a blogger and one of the reasons I got out of it was because I didn't like that pressure on your head of like, oh my God, I got to get out a a blog post every week or whatever. And so I kind of went full circle because now actually I I really do like to blog. But in the meantime, there was, you know, months would go by where I didn't create blog posts. And so, you know, creating content consistently and strategically would have been what I would have chosen. Okay. That's good to know. Awesome. (laughs) Well,
0: If you want to learn how to use Pinterest for your business, you must attend Carrie's session. It is going to be amazing, and she's going to teach you everything you need to know about using Pinterest for your business. So I'm um, looking forward to
5: seeing your session, Carrie. I'm looking forward to it as well. Awesome. I'm excited for everyone. Welcome, Meg. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, so um tell us. I know you said in
0: here thing, and I've also had you on my podcast, so I know, but you are a former
5: Facebook ads employee. So what did you do for Facebook and how does that help you with what you're doing now? Sure. So I worked within their marketing expert program. So basically what that did was we were assigned a book, a book of business, they call it, with about 200 current advertisers. So people who are already spending money on the platform. Now, those people could have been spending, you know, $5 today and nothing for the next three months, or they could have been spending big bucks. My largest client in Q4 was spending $17,000 in one day, which I can't even Wrap my head around as a small business owner, but (laughs) it happened. So it was a big range of clients. Now, Facebook positioned my role to look like customer service. And in a lot of ways, it was. So I would reach out to these people and say, you're, you're spending money on ads. You're running ads on Facebook. I had, you know, I could look at their account and then I would offer them tips, offer them different ad types or strategies to improve their marketing Mm -hmm. because, you know, Facebook they want you to be successful with your advertising so that you'll spend more money. So I was that kind of a customer service role, but really if you dig down and like look at it from a business standpoint, it was a sales position. Cause I was, I was working with these clients to try to get them to spend more money, but it was a win-win because they'd only spend more money if they were seeing better results. So that was, that was what I did. Do you
0: know anybody who's just like knocking it out of the park with Facebook ads? It's just like, you know, maybe, especially even a mompreneur or a mom business owner, someone that is just like using it exactly how they should. And just like, you know, hand over fist raking in the dough.
5: Yeah. So and here's the other a, a disclaimer, I guess mm-hmm. I should say, is that every business is different. And it's something that's really important to understand. So I have um, two clients who are both doing exceptionally well, okay? Mm -hmm. One client is getting her leads currently at, and here I am, I'm trying to think of exactly what they came in at for December. Um, December is the most expensive month out of the year, typically because of uh, holidays and stuff. And her leads were coming in at about 40 cents. What? Per lead. Per lead. That's not. In September, before like holiday rush, we Mm -hmm. were averaging about 30 cents. We had a month where we were at 14 cents, which, is crazy yeah so, not,
0: anything under like four dollars is kind of crazy really
5: now hers is an easier sell though like mm-hmm. it's it, it's an opt-in and she has um a type of of mommy blog mommy website type which is kind of my favorite business to work with but yeah. because that's where i came from so yeah. she's not actually selling anything to those leads mm-hmm. she just has to attract them and then keep them because she's selling advertising to other businesses, yeah. right? So yeah. it's it's those numbers that allow her to sell to the the advertisers. That's so awesome. she's d- discovered with her research that her um the cus- the lifetime customer value is about a buck fifty for each reader. So each reader will translate into a dollar fifty that she'll get from advertisers. Yeah. So therefore getting those leads coming in under fifty cents even is amazing. Is 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 perfect for her because she's profiting. Yeah. Now the other client is a business coach. Mm -hmm. So we're we're talking totally different, right? Totally different vertical. Very different. Her leads are between forty and fifty dollars. Yeah. Per lead. Yeah not cheap. And I feel like if I lead with that story, you're like, Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> but then her ROI
0: is going to be 1000s per Correct. client instead of, you know, she's, telling,
5: she's got a funnel, yeah. you know, so she's got trip wires and courses and da, 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 yeah. all the way up to a $10,000 one on one coaching retreat experience. Like she's got yeah. a, and those $50 leads. I'm not telling you she's getting 100% conversion, but they are converting for her in a rate that she is profitable. So there are so there's so many variations Mm -hmm. and Facebook doesn't have benchmarks. So that's another tough thing for people. How much money can I expect to pay? How much leads can I expect to get? It's totally dependent on your business and your market. So I just kind of wanted to illustrate somebody on the low end, like the inexpensive end, the cheap end of things who's doing really well. And somebody who's not on the cheap end of things. Yeah. Well, but I think it's
0: all... that's a great example. And that really, for anybody that hasn't done a lot with Facebook ads, that really gives a really, really, really great view and window into that. Like exactly what you just said, that it really depends on your business and also what you're trying to get out of it. So exactly a great example. If you could start over, what would you personally change about your Facebook ads agency and you know do differently kind of from the beginning?
5: if I can see myself in my client, it's so much easier for me to run those ads, generate the results, and then feel that same excitement mm-hmm. when they succeed. Yeah. It's also, it can be a bumpy road. It's feeling the same disappointment when what yeah. we tried didn't work and we have to rework the strategy. Yeah. Um, so I think it would be that. It would be doing a better job of qualifying who I accept, not accepting everybody in the beginning. Yep. Um, And really niching down and sticking with that. Yeah. And I think that's a mistake that every business owner, at least online business owners,
0: make in the beginning is that we're hungry and we're excited Mm -hmm. and we're pumped. And we just are like, okay, I'll help you. And it's not the right fit. And yeah, that's a really good one. So what is one tip that you could give for Facebook ads um,
5: today before your summit talk? Sure. So the number one thing would be to make sure that you've got the Facebook pixel installed. Mm-hmm. I think at this point, a lot of people are familiar with the pixel. It's a little snippet of HTML coding. You get it from your ads manager and you paste it into the header of your website. When you put it in the header, it means it goes across all your pages. If you're using WordPress, Shopify, you know the, the big dogs, they have a built-in integration. If you go ahead and Google whatever your platform is, WordPress and Facebook Pixel. It will come up with tutorials. I am, I am happy. Reach out to me. I am happy to give you a resource to guide you through that. I can, you know, find something for you. If I don't already have something, I've got a ton of resources on WordPress, but make sure you've got that pixel installed because it is so imperative to running successful Facebook ads. And you may be listening to this going, but Meg, I just listened to this whole talk and I've realized I'm not ready. (laughs) You know, like that's okay. It's okay if you're not ready to run Facebook ads. However, that Facebook pixel retains data for up to six months. So yeah. in a perfect world, you get that pixel installed six months before you start advertising. So yeah. even if you're not ready now, get the pixel on there. It will also unlock organic analytics, just like Google Analytics, but they track totally differently. Um, I could have a whole session on the pixel. <laughs> so I would say get that pixel installed. You're going to leverage that data and every single ad that you run from here on out, it is, it is the key to success. It is important. And it can be scary because it's code, but it is not that difficult. And we can help you through it. It's a little tiny bit of code. So it's not even yeah. like, there's really nothing you have to do. It's just copy and paste. So if you can
0: copy something and paste it, then you can do it. Everyone listening uh, or everyone watching this get excited. Meg is going to be on the social media day for the summit. And she is going to be talking about the one Facebook ad that every single business owner should be running. Very excited. Very excited to have you. And uh, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing your talk in the summit. Well, I can't wait. Hi, everyone. I'm Amanda Tento here. And I am here with Anita Morin, and she is an amazing expert at YouTube, and she, in her business, FDS Creatives, helps business owners to really utilize and maximize their impact through YouTube. So welcome, Anita. Oh, thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And you are going to be teaching us why YouTube is the platform for your business. So is that for like every business, or can it be for every business?
6: absolutely Um, there's not one business that I can think of that wouldn't benefit from the power of video marketing see in 2020 if you're not on video believe it or not you're a little behind it's okay we can catch up (laughs) but um, video is so important for us and what YouTube does is allow you to position your business via the power of search so that you are essentially setting up a digital billboard online when your ideal client is looking for you you will show up. So every business needs that, right?
0: Yeah. <laughs> we do. Every every one of us I'm sure needs that. So that's awesome. So tell me a little bit about you and how you got started with YouTube and your background, all of those things. Sure. Um, So
6: I am married and I have a three year old little boy who is fantastic. Um, And that's really like the most important things about me. Um, But I got started with YouTube actually a little over nine years ago. So I was a college student and I was looking to try to bring in more income so that I could pay my tuition. And um, at the time, beauty influencers were really popular on YouTube. And I thought, okay, I have. A MacBook and a little built-in camera I will start creating videos and at that time Twitter was starting to become really popular and so I became a beauty influencer and started working with makeup brands to review their product as well as teach others how to put on makeup and it's kind of funny now because I don't wear a ton of makeup most days um <laughs> but it's been such, it. <laughs> yeah it, it was such a great opportunity to be able to share with others really um, through the power of video. And so that's where I really got comfortable. And then I take in those skills and added them to the services that I've offered to really offer comprehensive video services, meaning I help you with all sorts of parts to help you create a polished and effective video. And and that has really grown my business significantly, um, which has just been really great. Plus my own videos are actually bringing in leads on YouTube too. So, um, it's great when you implement what it is you do for yourself and see the benefit that is. (laughs) Yeah,
0: definitely. Definitely. I know that you've had some really, uh, big success lately. I saw you ranking up there with Gary V. Is that right?
6: <laughs> yes. So, um, I have outranked Gary V. on search. Um, see YouTube is based on strategy. And so what ranks on YouTube, there are several things that go into that. And ultimately whether or not your video is viewed is whether or not it shows up in search. So first we need you to show up. Then we need you to be something really great to click on. And then the next thing that matters is how the watch time. So how can we script? And edit these videos for conversion and a longer amount of
0: a watch, and that's something that I help uh, business owners with. That's awesome. Okay, mm-hmm. I knew those things were a factor, but mm-hmm. I didn't know that those are like the factor. So that's awesome. I'm glad that you brought mm-hmm. that up. Yeah, well, I have a question for you. Sure, what is um, the number one struggle that you see people that? like have a YouTube channel, maybe they don't know how to use it. Like, what is that biggest struggle? Is it just posting? Is it like knowing like what you were just talking about? Like that strategy, let Mm -hmm. us know what that struggle is.
6: I think there's a few different struggles so for the person who's not yet using video a lot of times it's a fear and struggling with creating a polished video they're worried about you know what camera they use and what the light looks like but the reality is the best camera is the one you have so if you have a phone that's good enough Um, (laughs) Honestly, if they're shooting videos already and putting them on YouTube the next struggle that they really have is positioning them in a way to be seen and really um, structuring them in the place for conversion so those are some of the things that we work on with that strategy as well as coaching you through how to film and create a good video believe it or not that matters yeah Um, and that's the difference between whether or not your video is just clutter on YouTube or is actually a lead generation machine
0: yeah okay that's awesome I'm super excited to try out um, what you're gonna teach us for sure What do you think people are going to be able to expect out of if they, so let's say they attend your talk and they watch everything, they implement it, what is going to be that outcome for them?
6: I think they're really going to be able to understand what the power of video is. Some simple tips to be able to help them feel more polished and understanding of a basic um, way to use YouTube and how to make that an effective part of their business and then I'll share just a little bit about how you can then reuse those videos through content repurposing because truly to experience the full power of what you can do with YouTube videos it's really seeing that full picture believe it or not some of my clients are spending two to four hours a month and it's creating all of their social media content by batching a few videos and that's being repurposed into all of their posts and Graphics and blog posts and emails and such. So there's so much that can come from the power of video. But one quick tip I'll share with you today is that to really create a great video. What you have to remember is that your audience is going to build that like, know, and trust factor faster than anywhere else. Because, see, you can tell I'm passionate about what I'm saying because I'm using my hands and I'm really excited. And you can see that. But if I was to type these exact same words, you wouldn't quite get that same effect. No. So much of what we share is actually in our body language. And so I want to encourage you, if you're not yet on video, feel free to dive in. The number one type of video in 2019 was a chatty, informal video. This doesn't have to be perfect. Just jump in because it is going to do great things for your business.
0: That's awesome. Okay. (laughs) Okay. I love that. And I'm about to, right after we get off of this recording, I am actually about to record a a video for another summit that I'm participating in. So that'll actually uh, give me a little bit of, (laughs) a little bit of uh, information to use for that one. So thank you. You're welcome. Um, So what is the best investment that you have made regarding YouTube? Like what is the one thing like you had to pay for, but it was totally worth it and it's really helped you to accelerate your business?
6: I think there's several different things that I could cite as far as um, what I've invested in. The most important tool I would say everybody needs to have is TubeBuddy. Um, That's a unique tool that's going to allow you to really do the research. Um, And that would be the one thing I would say. I think you can get by with editing on iMovie or some of the more simple programs. I use Final Cut um, because I enjoy that and it gives me nice effects. But I don't think you need that. Lights help. Um, so a good ring light if can be found easily on Amazon, but really if you had nothing else, to buddy is the difference between your video being seen or not and knowing how
0: to use it would also be important. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's good. Awesome. And that's yeah. a, an app, a plugin, an extension. Yeah, it's an extension that
6: um, has a free and a paid version where you're able to see kind of the analytics behind some of the videos. And that's how you can figure out what videos would rank on YouTube. Um, So one thing I do with my clients is reverse engineer the videos. We figure out what's going to do well and then make that video where most people do it the other way. They yeah. make the video and hope it'll get seen. Yeah. <laughs> so when I mean, you're trying to establish authority in this space, that's something that's really important, um, as well as it can also help in other platforms as you're trying to um, rank in search engine optimization and uh, really let your ideal clients know that you, in fact, do know all the
0: wonderful things that you do. Yeah. Okay. That is awesome. So I am super duper excited that you are in this summit, you're participating and you are going to share all of your knowledge with us. I know that I'm going to be watching and Mm -hmm. um, implementing because YouTube is one of those things I've toyed with. I have a channel, but I really haven't done enough with it. So, and I know the power is there. So I'm very excited and thank you so much for participating with us. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Hi everyone, Amanda Tento here and I am here with Raywin Sangari and she is going to be telling us all about how to achieve authentic growth on Instagram, which I think is one of the biggest battles that we all face with Instagram. So welcome Raywin. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, definitely. We are very excited to have you here and I for one am very excited to learn about your talk and learn everything and apply these strategies to my Instagram. I have multiple Instagram accounts. And it's probably the my Achilles heel of social media. So um, yeah, it's
7: my happy place. So I am happy to share with you guys all of the tips and tricks I've learned about being authentic on Instagram, because there's so much out there that is inauthentic. And it's it's going to hurt your business. It's true. Yeah.
0: Okay, awesome. So tell me a little bit about you and how you got started in your business.
7: So I actually have a journalism degree and I was working as a technology teacher before my daughter was born back in 2015. So I was working through all of the social media stuff and website management and teaching kids this stuff, which is really just amazing. But it was based in Los Angeles and I live in Orange County. So my commute was like four hours a day total. And there was just no way I was going to be doing that with a baby. So I decided to stay home and to use my journalism skills to freelance and I realized because I had been trained in social media through journalism and then again through my technology teaching I was like, oh well I love social media, I love website design so I became a virtual assistant. Um, Just over the years I've honed in, I still do a lot of general virtual assistant stuff like website design and um, course management and podcast management. But Instagram is for sure my happy place, and that's the social media area that I decided to just focus in on because it's such a great space for community, and the algorithm is not yet all crazy. So it's just a place that I found joy, and so I love to help others find joy on their Instagram as well. Yes, yeah, we'll be talking mostly about not about posting on your feed because it's going to be all about those ways to get your engagement and your authentic growth up. So we'll be talking about story highlights, stories in general, because a lot of people don't really know or understand how to do stories mm-hmm. and um, direct messaging. Direct messaging is going to be a great space for you. And it's not like on Facebook where it's super personal to direct message someone. It's a little bit different, like on Facebook, if I get a direct message from someone, I'm like, who are you? Why Why are you here? It's almost like a text message, right? Like an unwanted right. text message. Yeah. But on Instagram, it's more like, okay, we're engaging and we're talking, but we just took it to a more personal level as opposed to it being on the feed for everybody to see. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense.
0: Yeah. Makes complete sense. I love
7: it. Okay. Yeah. yeah.
0: I feel like Facebook Messenger is almost like like you said, like a text message, it's very yeah. personal. I'm very like inside. And then I really hate getting those like spam messages of like people. And they're like, like the, almost like the LinkedIn, they're taking those LinkedIn strategies, uh-huh. Facebook. And I'm like, that doesn't really translate. Like you can't uh-uh. do that. <laughs> yeah. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like don't blanket message people, but okay. So what is the number one struggle that you see for people trying to um, grow their Instagram?
7: So the number one thing I would say people struggle with is they think that they need to be posting constantly. And I tell most of my clients, actually, you want to post maybe 20 to 30% of the time and be spending more of your time engaging. Mm
3: -hmm.
7: You want to be connecting with people because if you're out there trying to connect with people, they'll be connecting with you. And that's how you grow your Instagram account. So they look at it more of like, oh let me put all this information out there for people and if i put the information out there they'll come Mm -hmm. and it's like no it's more it's not like a networking group but it's kind of more like a networking group you know you want to be hey like this is me as a person i want to connect with you person to person even though i'm a business account and that's something i think a lot of people are scared to do on instagram they're like no this is my business page and like that's why you use stories because it goes away after 24 hours so if you show a cute picture of your kid that doesn't have to live there forever, but your followers remember you're a person and you have kids, cute kids at that, you know, like, and they might connect with the, maybe their kid has the same shirt that your kid was wearing. Like stuff like that is a great way to, to find that connection because that's what honestly businesses come down to is you buy from businesses you feel connected with. Or businesses that are very easy for you, like Target. There's Target everywhere. So you go to Target. Yeah. But if you, if you want the experience, you go to a like, small business because you want to connect with them. Mm-hmm. That makes sense.
0: That makes complete sense. I like how you compared it to a networking group. Um, because that, makes it, that kind of puts it in context for me, at least. As opposed to a place where you leave stuff and leave. You know? mm-hmm. So I love that. Thanks. So give me an example of someone um, that you feel like is getting it right with how their Instagram engagement is or how they're engaging with people on Instagram.
7: So I have this client and she just published a book back in January called Hi, It's Me. I have ADHD. Her name's is Caitlin Mabry and her Instagram handle is beyond underscore the underscore ADHD underscore diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Kind of a long Username, but that's okay because it's very specific and if people search ADHD diagnosis, she pops up and So we launched this book and she already had a pretty good following of people in the ADHD community and she was just Authentically engaging with them already because she was so excited about her book launch Mm -hmm. But when I came in and I helped her out we started implementing this um, This other strategy beyond just commenting people On their Instagram accounts which is how she had been connecting before and we just moved it into the direct messaging like I had said earlier and so we moved it into direct messaging and she would get someone new who would follow her and maybe they would like a picture maybe they wouldn't but we'd click over to their page take a look at what's going on on their page who they are and then we'd send them a message and say hey it's so great to connect with you I see that you have a son who has ADHD and he looks like he has so much fun in all of the pictures that you've posted. I have this new book coming out and I would love to know what you think about it. Do you want to get an advanced reader copy, which is a free download. Mm -hmm. Um, So we were implementing that strategy and her account grew so much. Like there were so many profile visits, so many website clicks. I had never seen anything like it because her, her subject was super niched Mm -hmm. and so it wasn't broad in general. Well, the books, it's now been a while since the book launched, right? And her account still sees daily growth of people discovering her because of the the SEO of her name and then because other people are referring their friends and stuff to her Mm -hmm. in the community because they know she's going to authentically connect with them. And then other things she does is like she'll do... I don't know how often she's doing it still, but she'll do a live reading of the book. Okay. And she posts real life things about her daughter's struggle with ADHD. And the author herself also does have ADHD too. And so she's just out there. She's putting herself out there. She's got the behind the scenes stuff in her family. And then she shares tips like and some other things that people can engage with and she does some educational posts because sometimes you know especially in if you've just gotten a diagnosis like ADHD for your kid, you don't know all of the tips and tricks. So she does that education too. And so she just puts it all together. The education, the engagement with people, that authentic connection and it's just It's amazing for me, at least for what I've seen, because when people hire me to do Instagram, I tell them straight up, like, I'm not out here to get followers for you. Yeah, I'm not. Because to be honest, the more followers you have, the more difficult it is for you to keep your engagement rate up. Mm -hmm. If you have to work a little bit harder, unless you start with a small number that's super engaged, and then you use that same authentic strategy then you're not spending more time engaging but you're still there and you're still growing it's just a slower growth rate necessarily but the engagement rate is really what's the key with the Instagram algorithms so- i
0: for one cannot wait to see the rest of your session or, or all of your session and of get all of these tips and apply them to my own Instagram and see how that growth goes. And I'm sure that everyone watching, um, all of the attendees are very, very excited about attending your talk as well.
7: Yay. I can't wait for you guys to see it.
0: Yeah. So thank you for being part of the Business Mom Summit. And your talk is on day five, which is social media. This episode of the Determined Mom Show is brought to you by the Business Mom Summit, If you're struggling with anything in your business, in your mindset, in your marketing, with your self-care, or even with your social media, this is the summit for you. Featuring more than 30 speakers that are experts in their industry to help you up-level your life, your business, your social, your marketing, you get the picture, all for free. You can attend the Business Bomb Summit for free and it is a virtual summit, so you don't have to fork out any cash for travel expenses or hotels or babysitters or any of those things. You can attend from the comfort of your own home. The Business Mom Summit will take place from April 20th through April 24th, and you can register at businessmomsummit.com, and you can also take a little sneak peek of preview interviews of our topics and our speakers on
1: businessmomsummit.com.